Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to the What's Eric Eating podcast. I'm your host, Culture Map Food Editor, Eric Sandler. Uh, it's a little bit of an experiment for us. We're trying something new, trying to leverage some of the synergy that came when Gao Media acquired Culture Map a couple months ago. I had this idea that I have all these great conversations with people in the Houston restaurant world, and the audio never hears the lights of day. So sometimes, sometimes the interview gets transcribed and done as a Q&A on the website, and sometimes the audience just gets a little snippet of it. But these are people that I'm personally fascinated by. And I just wanted to give our readers and a larger audience an opportunity to hear what they have to say and to dive in on some issues that maybe aren't necessarily timely, not necessarily related to an opening or a closing or the news of the day, but to get some sort of big picture perspective from some of the people that I'm personally the most interested in. So here's how the show's going to work. We're going to break it up into three segments. We'll do news of the week where we kick around some of what's gone on in the world of Houston restaurants in the last few days. Then we'll talk about restaurants of the week with uh, a new opening or two. Uh, And then we'll dive into the interview with our guests. Uh, This week, that's Lee Ellis and Jim Mills from Cherry Pie Hospitality. Certainly one of the hottest restaurant groups in the city right now. They just opened Starfish near the Heights next to Pie Pizza. And they've done really well with both Pie Pizza and State Fair in Gateway Memorial City. So we'll talk to Lee and Jim about the first year of Cherry Pie Hospitality, how they developed the idea for Starfish, and then some of, hopefully, what they're working on for the future. I'm joined today by my co-host, Nathan Ketchum. How's it going today? Good. How are you? I'm I'm well. Standing two feet from you, you know. (laughs) For those of you who don't know him, Nathan owned uh, Samba Grill, which was a South American Steakhouse downtown that closed a few years ago. Since then, he's been working as a consultant for a number of high-profile, both local and national restaurants that he has signed very strict NDAs not to talk about. That's me. I'm a, I'm a very fascinating person. <laughs> I'm glad to have you here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's just dive in. Let's, uh, let's dive into the news of the week. I want to start with the Tastemaker Awards. That is Culture Maps Annual Culinary Awards. We do things a little bit differently. Uh, we don't let the readers vote for the most part, and we don't, as someone recently accused me of, sit in a secret cabal and just draw winners out of a hat. We actually ask people in the restaurant industry to tell us who they think the best of the best are. What's the restaurant of the year? What's the chef of the year? What the bar of the year is? And we pull that panel from last year's Tastemaker Awards winners. So this year, that meant that Graham Laborde from Bernadine's, uh, who had won Rising Star Chef last year, was on the panel. Terry Williams, the general manager of Anvil and soon to be Better Luck Tomorrow was on the panel. People like that. So that's how we pick the winners. And then we roll them out over a series of articles over about a month. And then we had a big party at Asia Society last week where we revealed the winners and toasted everybody's success and congratulated everybody. So so instead of just a small cabal, it was just a larger cabal. It was a slightly larger cabal. And, it, and the, the one thing that I always want to make clear is that I am only one vote on that panel. So, you know, they're not, they're not my awards. They're not the editorial decision of Culture Map. It's, it really is up to the panel to both generate the list of finalists and then from among those finalists pick the winner. And then the only exception is Best New Restaurant, and that is voted on in a bracket-style head-to-head tournament of 16 restaurants by our readers. And really that comes down to a combination of how good is your restaurant and how effective is your social media. So let's just dive right in. Obviously the big winner Agricole Hospitality, the owners of Cultivare, Revival Market, Nate Row Flint. They won Restaurant of the Year for Cultivare. Ryan Para, Cultivare's chef, won Chef of the Year. And then Eight Row Flint, their 
tacos, tequila, and beer bar in the Heights took bar of the year. Yeah, they must have some pretty good social media team. <laughs> no, no. See, they have the respect of their peers. So, I don't know. What do you think? Are, I mean, you, are they, you cool they, with Cultivare as the best restaurant in Houston? Um, yeah, pretty. I can't really argue with that. The, the four-hour wait every day kind of uh, gives it away. Yeah, it's very rare for a restaurant to be both financially successful and considered cool by all the people that work in the restaurant industry. Cultivare is one of those restaurants. Yeah, the the Cacio Pepe and the all of their pizzas are kind of utterly fantastic. So it's kind of hard to hate on them. Well, and Ryan is such an ingredient snob. I mean, they use all these really great locally sourced ingredients, both meat and vegetables. I think the salads are underrated. I mean, I'm not a big salad eater, but at Cultivare, you know, whether it's the pickled butternut squash or I had one with like peas and pea shoots and ham the last time I was there, you know, fresh, seasonal, local, always really outstanding. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a salad there. I uh, always get a pasta or, or a pizza. You have to go heavy. You have to, you have to bring your group and order all of it. Yeah, I mean, once you wait four hours in line, you know, you're pretty pretty hungry so some of the other winners moving on uh martha de leon won rising star chef of the year she took over at pax americana from adam doris late last year and has really kind of made the restaurant her own you know she swapped out some of the dishes that that restaurant was known for but but again still like very careful about sourcing and technique and i just i mean that's still one of my favorite restaurants it's great to hear martha's doing well over there the a lot of people were really worried to hear Adam left. Pax was considered one of the best restaurants in the city. To hear kind of an unknown takeover, and then nothing but great things to hear about Martha. She's really knocking it out of the park over there. Um, you know, Pax is still going to be considered one of the best restaurants in the city. You know, for her to win Rising Star of the Year and its, you know, respect of her peers, that's that just shows that Pax is going to be around a long time. And then Victoria Dearman won Pastry Chef of the Year. She is at Underbelly and won fifth. She's someone who's really stepped up. She started as kind of a, you know, the pastry chef for Underbelly. But she has a whole range of responsibilities now that's not just making, you know, vinegar pie and whatever uh, seasonal desserts are going on in Underbelly. She oversees the pastry at both restaurants. And I, I didn't know this, but she's also responsible for ordering and invoicing. They're doing a uh, apple pie that they cook in the wood wood stove oven at uh, one fifth. I, I really wanted to get over and try that. It looks fantastic. It has this dark brown crust. Yeah. It's like a pound and a half. It's like, I mean, like one fifth is all about excess, right? Gigantic seafood towers and that, that baller board where you get like three or four different steaks on a big wooden plank. So yeah, a, a one and a half pound apple pie is just fits right in. And then uh, Leslie Ross Krockenberger won bartender of the year. Uh, she's at Reserve 101 now, but obviously this is more about all that she accomplished over the course of the last two years, developing cocktail programs for a number of the Treadsack restaurants and opening Canard, which was sort of short-lived. It, you know, I don't, I don't know that you can have a six-month cocktail pop-up, but essentially that's what happened. You know, really creative drinks, really pretty. And Leslie's now sharing her love for whiskey at Reserve 101, but hopefully she gets another opportunity to lead a more sophisticated cocktail program going forward. Yeah, it'd be great if uh, Reserve 101 lets, lets her loose and create a little bit of a, a bourbon and whiskey uh, cocktail program there. That'd be, that'd be really fantastic. I saw Leslie a couple weeks ago. She said they were so busy for Super Bowl. But, you know, they, they had all this highly allocated stuff that they'd been holding on to. They didn't really sell that much of it, but she did sell uh, Johnny Walker Blue and Coke to a few people. <laughs> It's a $70 Johnny. It's a $55. Yeah, it's a $55 Scotch and Coke. That's some classy, classy people right there. (laughs) Um, Favorite taco, Taco Sierra Caliente, the Montrose Institution, located next to the taco truck, located next to the West Alabama Ice House. I mean, not really that much to say about it. It's a Houston classic, and if you haven't eaten there, you should change that. Yeah, go today. Have a uh, lengua taco. or uh, I mean, they're only a buck and a half. Like, that's the best part. A corn... A taco on a corn tortilla is a dollar fifty. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I mean, would you rather spend four dollars at an unnamed Montrose taco location or a dollar and a half at a place that actually knows how to cook one? I mean, come on. Neighborhood restaurant of the year, State of Grace. 
I had sort of, when we created these categories four years ago, I had sort of conceived of Neighborhood Restaurant of the Year as kind of casual places that are, you know, open for lunch and dinner, that are relatively affordable. You know, Polly's was sort of the, the Italian restaurant Montrose was sort of my like platonic ideal of a neighborhood restaurant. Uh, our panel went another way, but it must be said, few restaurants serve the River Oaks area better than State of Grace. Yeah, the only neighborhood that uh, State of Grace could be considered a neighborhood restaurant is uh, the River Oaks neighborhood, where uh, a $35 entree could be considered affordable. But uh, State of Grace is a, a, a fantastic restaurant. Uh, obviously, I couldn't go there twice a week, but uh, it's it, I'd want to, but my wallet couldn't afford it. And then let's just wrap this up briefly. Uh, Pappas Brothers Wine Program of the Year. Look, when you have four advanced sommeliers on staff and they're led by a master sommelier, that's really about as good as it gets. Yeah, they have one som for every 10 people in the restaurant. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I shortchanged our, the winner of our Best New Restaurant Tournament, State Fair. We will have uh, Lee Ellis and Jim Mills here shortly, and they can talk a little bit about what has made State Fair so successful. But, you know, certainly a place I've had several good meals, just a really comfortable, casual restaurant. Uh, the other the other interesting news of the week is that Cane Rosso, the Dallas-based Neapolitan pizza restaurant, has retained Jonathan Jones, formerly of El Big Bad and the Hotel Zaza and Beavers and Max's Wine Dive. Chucha Chicana. Yeah, Chucha Chicana, Concepcion, probably some others I'm forgetting about, to be their new executive chef overseeing their two Houston restaurants and the location in Austin. Are you excited about this? Are you excited about JJ at Cane Rosso? I am. Uh, a lot of people have kind of commented that he, you know, why is an Italian restaurant hiring him? He's he's the Mexican food guy, but, you know, before he was the Mexican food guy, he was the burger and fried chicken guy, so he's not really a guy you should stereotype. I think he's he's a Houston food guy more than anything. He, he's he got, what, 30 years of culinary experience, so I think any kitchen he goes into, he's just going to make really great food, and and he's going he's gonna to make it a very Houston menu, which I think any anyone can be lucky to do that. Yeah, and let's just say that he loves Italy. That's where he spent his honeymoon with his wife, Tiger, and that together they operate a culinary-oriented travel agency that sends people to Italy, among other places. So he certainly knows he's got a real love for Italian food, and it will be interesting to see how he marries that with local purveyors within the rubric of what Connie Rosso is already doing. Yeah, what wasn't his first restaurant job at like a pizza place or something like that yeah he said he he told me in an in an article that i published on culture map last week that he like started in fast food pizza joints like spinning dough so full he's kind of come back to his roots yeah yeah all right last one just what houston needs another steakhouse is coming to town this time it's doris metropolitan which is a they have a location in new orleans and a location in costa rica but the owners are israeli and it grew out of an israeli like butcher shop and restaurant so the, the key for Doris Metropolitan, I was, I was reading Brett Anderson's review, is that they, they do all their own dry aging and they have a butcher shop. Is this the, is this the New Orleans Israeli B&B butchers? It sounds exactly like B&B. They, they serve a Japanese A5 Wagyu, just like B&B does A5 Kobe. Um, they have a lot of 31 dry age, uh, house dry age uh, steaks, just like that's essentially the same dry age. Dragging marks that uh, B&B does. I mean, it sounds almost exactly like B&B. I mean, B&B has been a runaway hit since it opened in 2015. Do you have that sense that there's still, like, even more appetite for steak? I mean, certainly Steak 48 has taken off. Chris Shepard is doing steak right now at one-fifth. I mean, sky's the limit as far as I can tell. I think sky might be the limit for really good places, maybe places that come in, do house dry-age, serve... uh, a5 Wagyu serve really, really quality steak and uh, really quality sides and put effort into their food. Uh, places like Steak 48 is more about the scene than the food. Um, places that serve prime, but it's it's commodity prime. I think they're going to get run off by places that come in and really pick their ranches and pick their beef and are really selective about their, uh, their steak quality. So I, I think... If a steakhouse comes in and they're just serving the same same steak that every other steakhouse in Houston's serving, then I think if there is a, a 
there's a ceiling. But if they come in and they're selective and they're serving specialty steaks and they're cooking it in a format that other places aren't cooking, then I think I think there can be a, a room for them. But man, pretty soon there's going to be one steakhouse for every five people. Well, we will find out. Uh, Doris Metropolitan will open where Trinity Restaurant used to be on Shepherd Drive. Hopefully by the end of this year, it's something to keep an eye on. That's a, it's a great location, though. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Nathan, let's turn to our restaurants of the week. We had a couple of meals together last week, starting with Helen in the Heights, where we had dinner Saturday night. So this is the new restaurant. You, Helen, Helen Greek Food and Wine in Rice Village has been a runaway success since it opened. Uh, it's got a James Beard... Best New Restaurant, semifinalist nomination last year. William Wright, their executive chef, was a James Beard Rising Star semifinalist this year. It's, it's the restaurant that's taught Houston to love Greek wine, maybe not as much as California wine, but but it's a work in progress. Uh, and it was it was really innovative. It's gotten a lot of national attention. Helen in the Heights is something a little bit different. It's the restaurant that serves Greek food that you think of when you say, I want to go out for Greek food. So gyro and pastillo and fried calamari and, and dishes like that. What did you think? I think it was a very smart move of them to replace uh, Arthur, which which was struggling with uh, Helen in the Heights. It's a it's a more casual, kind of easygoing version of Helen. Uh, the food was, was good. The uh, the lamb gyro, lamb beef gyro we had was was great. The, uh, the texture was different than what I was used to, but the flavor was very lamb forward. And the pita was nice and fluffy, had a nice char to it, something more similar to what you'd get in Greece than you're used to. A lot of the, the kind of fast casual um, places here in Houston uh, had a lot more texture, um, a lot more flavor than a lot of places here in Houston. I was It was very good uh, and still had a kind of casual vibe to it. Yeah, and it was surprisingly affordable. I mean, we, we went a little bit heavy, but you know, most of the entrees are in the $20, $25 range. You know, the apps were in the low teens. Um, that fried calamari was maybe some of the best fried calamari I've had recently. Yeah, it almost seemed like a like a um, beer battered or a wet battered calamari, which is very rare. Normally, it's a it's a flour flour and fry, but uh, it was very good, uh, very fresh tasting. And the uh, the euros, I believe, were only like sixteen or seventeen dollars, so very affordable. Yeah, we did the euro platter, which was in the what the low thirties, um, and it fed for. Yeah, I mean, it came with four easily. people and a ton of meat, so that was a that was a really successful dish. Yeah, it was great. the The pita was, I think, by far the 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 best part of the meal for me, uh, other than possibly the desserts. But the pita was just fantastic. Yeah, but let's not shortchange those desserts. I mean, that feta cheesecake. You know, usually I just I'm not a cheesecake person. Typically, kind of they're, they're kind of a mess texturally, but this um, the feta gave it a little bit of tang. Um, that made it more savory, and I really enjoyed that about it. Yeah, it was like a crumbly feta, um, still sweet but tangy cheesecake. It was very interesting. Um, I'm not gonna say I loved it, but uh, my wife loved it. So that, uh, and she hates cheesecake. So I mean, that's that's a feat in itself. Yeah, and then we had that um, the savory cheese and the uh, the puff pastry. Yeah, the filo dough um, that was really good, um, and then the the soft serve. Um, oh yeah, the bourbon, the bourbon, the bourbon soft, soft serve with uh, baklava topping. Yeah, that that may have been the hit. Yeah, Arthur Avenue did a white Russian soft serve, so they're they've changed it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, this was a this was a welcome addition. Yeah, I th- it was very. Uh, it was with their ninth day open uh, around around seven thirty. They had a full house. Uh, Los Cucos next door is maybe half full, so it looks like uh, looks like they're gonna do well. I I, I hope uh, hope they can fill it out every night. Yeah, a couple of service glitches, but nothing that and, would uh, prevent me from going glitches. back. Yeah, the lights kept flickering. That's never a good idea. But uh, nothing nothing that would keep me from going back. And actually, I, I'm excited to go back and try some more of the dishes on that menu. It may be a, a standard on my uh, lunch rotation. If, it, uh, if the quality holds up, I'll definitely have it as a hit on my lunch rotation. Yeah, dinner only for now. Lunch starts in another week or two. Let's move on to Salmonton. I think this is a restaurant that's flying a little farther under the radar. Uh, a seafood restaurant from uh, Robbie Salabi, who opened Flo Paris. He's parted ways with Flo Paris. He's gone off on his own. It's a French-style seafood restaurant where Corner Table used to be, so right in the heart of River Oaks. 
if we were super enthusiastic about Helen and the Heights, I think we had maybe more of a mixed bag experience at Salmonton. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting concept. The the name sounds like it would be all salmon, but the I think three of the eleven entrees were salmon. The rest were uh, different different fishes. But um, it has a lot of uh, potential. I think they're just working out some kinks still. It's very French, a little bit old school, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, the the fish that we did have was cooked perfectly, which is a, a rarity in Houston. Had a perfect sear, nice crisp skin. Salmon was cooked perfectly medium rare. It was fish was perfect. Um, a few other little glitches, but the it's definitely an interesting concept. It's worth giving your your time to for sure. Yeah, open for lunch and dinner, brunch on Sundays. I, I guess yeah, those old school touches are kind of what set it apart. There's not really another restaurant in Houston that's doing like brandy cream sauce or a champagne sauce over fish. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely in its own ballpark. I mean, the guys the guys as French as you can get. I mean, how long has he been in Texas? A year? Yeah, just like two or three years. Yeah, so uh, he he has a, his experience in Paris. So yeah, the only the only dish that really didn't come together for me was the salmon tartare that used cooked salmon. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna call a dish salmon tartare, it's got to be raw. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, it, w- it was almost like a like a salmon salad or something along those lines. wasn't wasn't bad by any uh, means, but when you expect tartare and you get salmon salad, it was kind of a uh, confusing, but the flavors were there. Yeah, the flavors were there. I mean, and Robbie said that was a dish that he had served at a restaurant he worked at in France, just just prepared that way. But I think it may be one of those that needs to be sort of lightened up and modernized for a contemporary palate. Yeah, he already he was telling us some tweaks about it, and I think the tweaks that he was he was going through in his head will will serve him very well in that context. I think that covers it for restaurants of the week, and let's uh, welcome. Jim Mills and Lee Ellis to the studio, and we'll uh, sit down and talk with them coming up next. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So for our very first interview of the week, I have invited Lee Ellis and Jim Mills from Cherry Pie Hospitality to be my guests. Uh, Certainly over the last year, Cherry Pie has gone from brand new restaurant group to one that's made a really big splash in Houston. They are the Owners of four restaurants, Lee's Fried Chicken and Donuts in the Heights, Petite Suites in the River Oaks area, Upper Kirby area, State Fair in Gateway Memorial City, and Pie Pizza near the Heights. And then just last week, they opened a seafood restaurant called Starfish. Lee and Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. Great being here. (laughs) I want to talk about Starfish in a minute, but um, Cherry Pie is, is about a year old. Is that that's accurate? Yes. Yes. So probably a little over, but yeah, close. Lee, how's it gone for you? I mean, how, how, what's the status of Cherry Pie Hospitality? Are you pleased with your first year? Yeah, I think we accomplished quite a bit. Um, I think we've got three restaurants operating as of last week. And uh, I think they're all going to be successful. It hasn't been the easiest year, especially for me and Jim. I'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we haven't had much time off, um, but I, I think I think we get to we get to see the ben, you know there's some great benefit to what we've done, and it's been a huge commitment on everyone's part. Uh, everyone, everyone that's gone to come to work with us has done an unbelievable job, and made the same commitment. I mean, I don't think any of us have had a life for the last twelve months. But Jim, you had been working. You worked for a number of years at the Houstonian Hotel. I did. Um, what about this opportunity made it, I mean, certainly this is, you know, this is a lot more hands-on maybe than you had been. Is that, is that a fair description? It's a fair description, particularly the 10 years I spent as general manager of the hotel. That's really not a hands-on job the way mine is now. Your hands are in a lot of things, but arm's length maybe. Now I'm in it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're back in the kitchen for the first time in a long time. Which has been awesome. Yeah. Are you, are you enjoying it? I mean, what's, what's been the best part about that? Um, I've always loved the craft and the years that I was away from it, I missed it. So being back in the craft, um, learning new things, teaching things that I know, discovering things that we can do together that are different than things I've done in the past. Um, you know, one day I walked into one of the kitchens and one of the guys said, well, you ever think about, you know, teaching? And I said, well, what do you think I do every day? Um, teach and learn. 
and and just try to have fun. Yeah, and you have a mentoring role with people like Anthony Calio at Pipita and now Arnaldo Ramirez at Starfish. I mean, is that the best part of the job? I mean, or or did you did you anticipate that that would be so much of your role when you when you joined Lee for Cherry Pie? Um, certainly, I I figured that would be not only in the food but in other areas, just how to how we want p- people to treat each other and how we want to be as a company. In addition to the technical aspects, just there's a lot more to it than because in a company, it's a group of people. We put together a great group of people, but we have to get them to all work well together. And there's a responsibility that the partners have to that also. Yeah, Lee, I mean, certainly one of the things about Cherry Pie that really sets itself apart is that you've surrounded yourself with a number of really talented women. Was that an intentional strategy or is that just you found the best people and they happen to be female? It was not intentional. I've always had a lot of respect for anyone that I'm, that we're working with. Um, I think they, I think they're some of the best in the in the industry, which I am greatly appreciated that we were able to get some of these people that work for us. So, State Fair just won the Culture Map Tastemaker Awards Best New Restaurant Tournament. Thank you, thank you very much. A, a combination of of good food and effective I'll, social I'll take your media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing nothing says. We appreciate the award like uh, chicken fried steak and uh, a couple of cocktails from the cocktail menu. Duly noted. <laughs> I think it's quite an accomplishment, you know, that we did and and the time period that we did it in. Yeah, I just, you know, because you, you had to sort of clean up the mess that was poor society and launch a new concept from the ashes of that. How do you feel about kind of how that process went and, and where would you say State Fair is now? I still think it's a work in progress, you know, trying to get, we, you know, because we want to make such a commitment to the neighborhood. We want it to be their go-to place and for other neighborhoods that are in the, in the area and some that are not in the area are traveling to it that are west of town and north, north, north and west. So I think, I think we're accomplishing that. Well, let me, let me, let me put it to you like this. You, you know, the, the general manager at State Fair and the chef at State Fair are now at Starfish. How did you prepare the team for that transition? Mm. Well, the general manager yeah, the, the, is, remained. Oh, I'm sorry. So the, the, Well, we brought the general. I mean, basically, Lori had, had, had come with us to State Fair, and she was not a GM prior to that. She was a beverage director. So we asked her to wear multiple hats, and which she did. And she does, and she is, and because she's so she's she's really really great at what she does, and she has such a commitment to the to the company that we benefit from it. I think she's a really good manager. I think she looks at all the details and pays attention to all the details, which is what we do. And I I I, I think it it works out for us. You seem to have uh, gotten employees that have bought into the company rather than buying into the individual chef or buying into the individual restaurant they work for. That, that seems to help a lot. Absolutely. And I think the, the point of that is I, I'm not sure how to really answer that question, but I think the fact that they see that all of us work together, all the events that we've done, outside events, and uh, the way that we handle it, I think it shows that we all work together. I think it's a matter of just the commitment of all everybody working together. That's I think that's been part of why it works. And in the fact, I mean, everyone wears multiple hats. I think that's been a benefit. Um, it might not always be great for every individual. You know, we might have our moments, which we all do. But I think the fact that you're not pigeonholed into one job, you have multiple multiple responsibilities, and because you are committed to what we're doing. Um, I think that helps out. You heard it here, folks. If you don't want to get bored, work for Lee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you will not get bored. Uh, and then just last week, you opened Starfish, which is a new seafood restaurant. Jim, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what the concept is and how it may be different than other seafood restaurants around Houston? Hmm. Well, that last question is an interesting one, Eric. Um, for us, we wanted a seafood restaurant, but not exclusively seafood. 
we didn't want the food to be dominated by any one thing. By that I mean it's not, it's, we, we say it's seafood centric. Um, we have several protein options that are non-seafood in all sections of the menu. And yet we wanted to have a focus on seafood and looking at what the best product that we could get. And we're still, it's still a work in progress. By that, I mean, if you're going to print a menu and you're going to put fish on it, you know, those fish will be available in the market, but there's a lot of other fish that you can get when you can get them and you can't when you can't. And so, so far we're just focusing on our menu, which has some fin fish, but not a ton. I hope that we'll bring in uh, several market fish options, which you can either have or not have, or if it's this species or that species, wherever they're harvesting. Um, and I, I think what I, what I wanted in the food was to have a little higher level of refinement than I see other places. Um, it, the food is not precious in presentation, but the presentations are thoughtful, and I, I want it to look really nice, whereas some of our other like concepts like State Fair, the food is big and bold and big flavors, and it is more regional and more low to the ground. I wanted this to be you know, just maybe a little bit, a little bit different feel in terms of the menu. And, but it's also food. It still follows kind of the, the line that we did at state that we've done at state fair. And that is, it's still food that we, we, we want to eat that we like to eat. And it's approachable. Yes. Yeah. I mean, certainly oysters are a big part of the concept. I think you have them raw, roasted, grilled, and fried. Uh, if That's you correct. Haven't, you haven't, you haven't found a way to like put them in an oyster stew, but I, I suspect that that's coming. Well, we had oyster stew on the menu at State Fair during the winter. There so, you go. You know, it's, Are it, they in the polio base? Oysters, no. Okay. Clams, mussels, halibut, lobster, shrimp. What, what is it about oysters that, that's so central? Well, uh, we love them very much. And they're, so I grew up along the Texas coast, grew up eating oysters, collecting them. I've always loved them, cooked or not. And I couldn't imagine a seafood restaurant that didn't embrace a strong raw program with oysters being kind of a centerpiece of that. You do uh, uh, clams on the half shell, which is unique. We do. Um, I know that's not very common in this part of the world. It is in the Northeast. People eat a lot of clams on the half shell, so I wanted to have it. We're going to have clams in the house anyway. They're on a couple of other dishes. Um, and... I preloaded them on all of the uh, seafood raw bar packages, the towers and platters. You get clams, and nobody's bailed on it, and people are eating them, which I think is awesome. But I really didn't know how that was gonna how that was gonna go. Does that mean that we're gonna get are, are we gonna get steamed clams or fried clams? You're not gonna do New England shore dinners, are you? Well, there's a, there's a long pause. Uh oh. <laughs> well, if I had my choice we would have fried clams i wouldn't be shocked to see fried clams i don't think i'll do new england boiled dinners only because that's so regional and it's so not here um that the local equivalents exist and we might embrace some of those but uh you know it's like we have a shrimp roll on our menu which is sort of like a lobster roll but it's not it's made with shrimp the first version we did we made it very sort of Old Bay and mayonnaise and like you might get somewhere else. And then we tasted it and I looked at Lee and said, you know, dude, we got to make this ours. And so we completely changed it. I mean, there's still shrimp and there's still some mayonnaise, but that's the only thing it has in common. Um, and it's, so that's kind of how we look at it is through the lens of, of, you know, our way or a Texas way uniquely to the Gulf coast. So I don't know. I don't know, Eric. I don't know where we go. Well, the, I think the interest or the, the great thing about the oyster selection, what goes with it are all the sauces that uh, Jim and Armando came up with to go with your oysters. I think there's probably, what, six? Six, six or seven? Seven. I don't remember. Let's name them all. Oh, Sriracha lime. Uh, we do, a, we do a, a cocktail that's, that's sriracha and lime. Uh, Armando does a great leche de tigre which is a South American sauce. Like key lime. Um, we do a Meyer lemon pesto, but don't think a traditional pesto. It's, it does have some nuts in it, but it is not heavy and not super cheesy. Um, and it's awesome. It's light. Um, jalapeno. Yeah, the jalapeno oh. mignonette. So the mignonette is interesting. The mignonette that we make to serve with all of our oysters, um, 
Armando makes the vinegar from pineapples. Um, so the regular mignonette is our house mignonette, which is not anything like others because the pineapple vinegar is less acidic and has a more of a fruit component in the flavor, which is interesting. And then we take a version where we marinate uh, minced jalapenos in it, and that's the jalapeno vinaigrette. Probably the one that was the most interesting. So Lori, who is a flavor genius, particularly when it comes to things served in glasses, one of her favorite food combinations is raw oysters and green chartreuse. And I never thought of drinking those two or eating and drinking those two things together, but they're absolutely delicious. So I came up with a cocktail sauce. Uh, I, I don't want to call it cocktail sauce because it doesn't have ketchups or tomatoes or anything in it of, of that nature, but we call it fleur de chartreuse. And it's sort of a puree. It's uh, It has the same base flavor which chartreuse to me is sweet and herbal and luscious and alcoholic and then we sort of layer raw chartreuse into the sauce on top of that and it's a really interesting accompaniment and then lee you certainly led the way in the design of the restaurant it it feels sort of coastal and you know open to me it doesn't look it certainly doesn't look anything like the restaurant that it replaced what was sort of the inspiration for that? And, and I have to ask you about the, uh, the hot rod swordfish that's uh, prominently mounted on, <laughs> on one of the walls. Um, I mean, we, I kind of wanted an east, east, west coast, Gulf Coast, a coastal feel to it. So I've tried to keep it, you know, crisp and clean and uh, didn't do a lot of accent colors. It's white and black. Um, the dining room chairs do get there on Wednesday this week, which we're super excited about. They're all turquoise, so that'll be your little color, your pop of color. Um, but I, I just wanted it to have a real clean, comfortable feel, and I think I think we accomplished that. Um, I asked Kevin when they were doing the drawings to uh, – we used Design Hound in Austin. Kevin Stewart and his team, Drew and Allison, and everyone there did a great job, Liz. And – you know, I wanted to close, bring the ceiling because it was just a straight box. So I asked them to bring it in kind of like a church, you know. So I think they accomplished that. And I wanted an aquarium, so we have an aquarium. Front and center. Uh, the artwork's been picked up with travels and been collected and sitting waiting for this. And the uh, it's the biker marlin. It's kind of. Excuse me. Not the hot rods. Yeah, I guess it was kind of 80s Harley paint job on it, um, flamed Marlin. It's been in a couple of my houses and kind of made the rounds traveling around. Um, so I thought it looked great. We hung it up high in the black on the black wall. Kind of a it's kind of a, the left turn. Doesn't really fit, but it does. Yeah, it. I mean it. It. As Nathan said, it's impossible not to notice kind of the minute you walk into the dining room. Yes, it's the very Lee was here statement. I really like it. <laughs> Nathan, you had dinner there this weekend. What were your sort of first impressions of Starfish? Uh, yeah, the moment you walk in, you can tell it, it's a beautiful restaurant. It has this 1940s Art Deco, very light-filled room. The bar program was excellent. It had a lot of gin-forward cocktails. But you're, they're becoming more popular, but you still don't see um, kind of a, a program that has more than one or two of them, which I thought was great. There was a good selection of gin. Um, the, the menu, it's one of those menus where you want to order everything on the menu. So then your, your server gets annoyed because it takes you 20 minutes to order. Um, I, uh, I ordered the whole fried uh, snapper, which was a, a, an amazing decision on my part. I'm going to be patting myself on the back for a week on that it was it was delicious probably the best one i've had in a year or two which is saying something because i order it way too often very crispy not overcooked bones fell right out a lot of meat too it was huge very well priced for the size and then the i think we the the elephant in the room or the butter in the room i should say is the the butter fried fries i mean <laughs> you guys need to be checked into an insane asylum you're frying French fries in pure butter. Nobody does that. Yeah, it's crazy. They're so good. But they're tasty. Yeah, it, it's absolutely crazy. You're going to go bankrupt. But man, they are delicious. It's like eating 
it's like eating crispy mashed potatoes. That was kind of yeah. My, it's like eating thought. the Joel Robichon potatoes, but they're crispy. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. They are. If you're gonna go to Starfish, go right now and and order ten orders of the butterflies. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. No, no, because you can't you can't do that because you got to make room for the steak tartare. And yeah, I feel stupid, which has the uh, the shallots that are fried in butter. So. And I feel goofy telling someone to go to a, a seafood-oriented restaurant and have the steak tartare, but the crispy shallots on top, just give it a little crunch and some texture that's it's totally unexpected from, from that dish. Well, my way to order it, which I tell everybody, is please order the fries with it. Yeah, it's, add more butter to this rich steak. It's really perfect. So if you have cholesterol, let's go to Lee. <laughs> let's go to Starfish. It's a whole different order of steak frites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put the Lipitor. It, it, you know, justify that Lipitor, Take your Lipitor prescription. You to, uh, oh, come on! We have a lot of healthy foods. <laughs> you had a, you, we had a really Jim's getting upset. We uh, had a really beautiful. I, I will say, I went separately from Nathan, and we had a really beautiful piece of grilled salmon that was just spot on. And I would order that again in a heartbeat. Yeah, I also had the the crab cocktail, which was delicious and light and fresh. And you know, truthfully, the fried uh, the fried. Snapper was very light and fresh too. It was not heavy at all. Like some places, you'll get just covered in a very sweet sauce. And I, I I do not like that. This one had a kind of a spicy sauce at the bottom, or a spicy oil at the bottom. But and this, the fish was there by itself, and it was perfect. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Nate. Yeah. You know, we put uh, some mojo de ajo on it, yeah. and then the two oils around the bottom. That the, all those flavors kind of work, but they don't take it over. I think. Yeah, it was, idea. it was great. And then, of course, it's served with the really good um, sautéed spinach. And sautéed fingerling potatoes. But you can get it with french fries if yeah, you want. Yeah, we got the french fries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that was not a hard decision. <laughs> I would like to move on from Starfish and sort of ask you some sort of big picture questions. You know, this has been a year where some prominent restaurants have closed. Uh, Jonathan Horowitz, the president of the Houston Restaurant Association, wrote an article recently for the Houston Business Journal where he talked about the things that restaurants can do to maintain their customers at a time when a lot of restaurants are seeing decreased traffic. You guys are still opening new restaurants. Why are you bullish on the prospects for new restaurants at a time when other people are sort of pulling back? Well, I, I think, I think it's our approach to our customers and the way that we, deal with our business. I mean, our customer comes first. Service is most important to us. Um, and I feel like we do a really good job with it. I'm, I can't say that we make every person feel great. You know, everyone drops the ball at one point or another. But I think our commitment to the customer is so large that I I just, I, that's maybe that's why I'm bullish. You know, I feel like we do a great job on customer service, um, and I think it shows. I mean, we have a huge repeat business. Um, we have a lot of regulars, um, and I and we're you know, we we're there. We try to you know we try to work the floor as much as we can. You know, as we do all these other projects, it does get more and more difficult. But I also think we instill that in the people that work with us. You know, I think. I think we have some really strong management. Like I said, Lori and then uh, the new AGM at State Fair, Jace, is doing a fantastic job. Um, Leonora, we moved her from State Fair over to Starfish. She's just such has such an energy level, and she's so good with her customers. Um, I don't, I just don't see that. I don't always see that with other people. Yeah, I mean, she's certainly a very dynamic presence in the dining room, and she's shaped that wine list at Starfish to be sort of champagne and acidic white wines and stuff that's really great with seafood. And she'll she can tell you in depth about all of them. Um, I mean, all of these concepts seems like they could be replicated. I mean, do you is that the future? Are we going to see like pie pizza go to the Woodlands or State Fair go to Sugarland or? Well, I, I think the two right now that are the two that we'd like to expand on are definitely Pie and State Fair. I think Lee's has legs. It just needs to be in a different box. You know, I think that's a size issue there. Um, I think it could have other product. I think it would do really well. 
Um, and I think starfish also, I mean, we're going to do, we're doing starfish in Menlo Park in California. It's in for permitting right now. Um, and I think it'll cross over there great. I think we're going to use West Coast, some a lot of West Coast product, of course. Um, and then State Fair we're doing in Sacramento. Yeah, State Fair. So State Fair is going to be at the, the King's New Basketball Arena Complex, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, will that have more, like, because the State Fair in Houston is, like, very Texas, very Louisiana. Will it be more California in Sacramento, or we, are you? Are you going to take that menu and, and see if Californians want to eat our food? I think we're going to do, but we're going to do all three. You know, I think we'll insert California dishes into the menu. From from the response that we've gotten from talking to people is they do want to eat our food. They do want to eat Texas and Louisiana food, and I think it'll fit in great. I think you know, Jim, they'll be able to add, you know, really fresh product to it. I mean, the fruits and vegetables. And California are phenomenal. I've already gone out and met with vendors, uh, farmers, and we'll hire a chef locally who knows those or has those relationships for both of the restaurants. But they'll be reflective of their place, which is right and natural with food. And yet there will be a presence of what we've established in Houston at both restaurants, at least as far as the menu is concerned. I think this, this state fair in Sacramento will have a significant wood burning element, uh, which would be visible from the dining room. Yes, we'll do tri-tip, but it I'm not going to serve it with buquillo beans, I don't think, but we'll do some version of that. Um, and we'll have oysters at, at state fair there also, but not a visible oyster bar. We'll run them out of the back. I mean, on one of our trips to Sacramento, cause we've made quite a few this past year. Um, one of the busiest restaurants we went in was Southern. You know, it was Louisiana-based. I mean, and it was really busy, and it was good, and it seemed like they were getting a great response. Tex-Mex is getting pretty popular in California. They just refuse to admit that it's Tex-Mex. Well, we're putting queso on our menu, and we're uh, proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, queso and guacamole. and Yes. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I know you guys don't have a ton of free time, but I do know that you like to try new restaurants. So to just sort of wrap this up, um, have you eaten anywhere recently that you've been really excited about, pleasantly surprised by? I think, uh, you know, for me, um, I'm kind of the down and dirty guy. You know, that's. I think I'm real excited about Uno Pinche Tacos over on Northwood and Cavalcade. What do you what do you recommend at Une Pinche Tacos? I think any of the tacos, uh, the tamales. If they have tamales, been, get the tamales because they're, they're often out of them, and they're different than most tamales you get in Houston. In and what way? They leaven the masa so it's light. Oh, cool. You know, I've, I knew a couple of women that did that that taught me that many years ago. Um, they were from Central Mexico, and they so it's it's not firm and hard. A lot of I don't order tamales when I go out mostly because I don't like that hard masa. It's just, it's not very pleasant. These are delicious. You know, you know, the interesting thing there also, it's, it's a, I believe it's a mother and a daughter, um, that, you know, they're just there every day. They work so hard when I went there this Saturday, cause somebody I was with wanted to go there and you know, the, I hadn't been there probably in three weeks. So, you know, they were all excited and they were like, are you getting tamales? We have them today. They don't always have them. We eat out a lot. We mainly go to simple places. We're always looking for a great meal. We don't find it as often as we'd like. All right. Uh, I, I do have to credit Lee with one thing. He, I don't know how I had missed this in my culinary wanderings. I had never been to China Garden before Lee took me there. It's a downtown American style Chinese restaurant institution. It's right next to Toyota Center. Lee, just what are like what are the three things that for people who are ignorant like I was. What do, you, what do you get when you go to China Garden? You have to get the steamed shrimp dumplings, the pan-fried pork dumplings. Um, you have to get Marion's fried rice. Or Marion's beef. Or Marion's beef. If she'll beef, make it for you. If she'll make it for you. That's the like stir-fried filet mignon. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. And so, she goes in the kitchen and does it herself. Like one personally. time I was there and I ordered the one on the menu and she just looked at me funny and then she came back and said, no, no, this is the one you want. And, and it was delicious. And the rock star of everything on the menu there is the egg roll. 
Their egg roll is like none other. They are the big, fat, deep fried. Well, they're not spring rolls. They're not thin, no. little, crunchy, no. wispy things. They are big, fat, old school egg rolls. I, I don't even know where else in Houston does them like that anymore. I haven't seen them anywhere, but they, they're, they're a taste memory for me. Uh, I went to college in Austin, and there used to be um, trailers parked on Guadalupe near the campus. And they would sell egg rolls. Now hers are better, but they were like that big fat egg roll straight out of the fat as you're walking to class. That was a good breakfast. Well, Lee and Jim, thank you so much for joining me on the first episode of What's Eric Eating. You can check out the website for Starfish at starfishhouston.com. And then that's got links to all of their other restaurant websites, Pie Pizza, State Fair, Lee's Fried Chicken and Donuts, and Petite Sweets. I want to thank my co-host for the week, Nathan Ketchum. You can follow him on Twitter, H-Town Food Junkie. You can follow me on Twitter at E Sandler on Instagram at Eric Sandler. And of course, every week, every day, there's new content on culturemap.com for all of your latest uh, food and restaurant news. And thanks to you guys for listening. We're going to wrap it up and we'll be back next week when uh, Ronnie Kellen will be my guest. So stick around for that. I'm Eric Sandler. Thanks so much for listening. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.